We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for WEEI Football Sunday with Fitzy and Hart. WEEI Football Sunday is co-sponsored by Zudi. Build any application your company needs in one week. Visit ZUDY.com for your free trial. By New England Recovery Center in Westboro where recovery is possible. By your local New England Kubota tractor dealers. By Northeast Electrical, where pros need pros at needco.com. By Catches Law Group, the personal injury pros at catcheslaw.com. And by Anderson Windows and your local Anderson Windows dealer. Now, WEEI Football Sunday. Hour number four of WEI Football Sunday, a six rings football Sunday, well into the afternoon portion of our program. You got Fitzy, you got Hart, we got you till 2.30, at which point WEI picks up pregame coverage of Bengals at Bills from Highmark Stadium in Buffalo. Should be an excellent second day of the divisional round, my favorite football weekend of the year. Then, of course, we'll go at 6.30 to coverage of Cowboys at 49ers from Levi Stadium way out west. We'll see if that one actually kicks off on time because last week they had to delay the kickoff, Andy, of Giants at Vikings from U.S. Bank Field because of how long the first game went. It was a four-hour affair between the Dolphins and the Bills. So many incomplete passes, so many penalties, a lot of pre-snap penalties because of the noise up in Buffalo. I'm going to set the over-under on time for the Bills' Bengals game at three hours and 17 minutes. Are you taking the over or the under? Uh, that's a good line. That's a good line because, <clears throat> excuse me, last week's game was ridiculous. I've was never a, seen anything like that. Never. I've never. never. And um, I'll take the under. I'll say it'll be under. I'll say it'll be a, a traditional just over three-hour NFL game. Just under. Okay. Yeah, just under. Like, I, I think we're 315. I, yeah, I'm looking like, th- I'm thinking like 320. Yeah, I mean, and and that's normal, you know, the postseason. And the thing I'll I'll watch and has been an ongoing irritant at various times this January for me is I just want to see how the game's officiated because I'm re- I told you I'm really excited about this game. I like Joe Burrow. I like Josh Allen. Both teams have warts, but both teams have significant uh, offensive upside and and can be really fun football teams. Officials don't change this game. Don't get in the way and be consistent. Don't let them play for three quarters and then start throwing ticky-tack penalties in the fourth quarter or anything like that. So as long as the officials stay out of the story today, I'll be happy to watch that game. Yeah, I just please, we're not, please do not. I hope they don't go in with some sort of agenda like, you know, the league, like, uh, maybe uh, it would be nice if we had neutral site game next week, you know? You know, the like, league is I don't now want anyone getting a phone call. I don't want any, <laughs> I don't want anything I don't want the tables tilted because like the league wants the storyline of DeMar Hamlin and the Bills on this emotional, miraculous mission. And we have to see KC Buffalo, the rematch of the 13 seconds game, the greatest divisional game ever played. Like, just let him play a clean game. Don't do not involve yourselves. No one pays to see the zebras. And I don't want to see something that reeks of an agenda or storyline that the NFL comes in with. And I, I, I think you can agree. 
And it generally comes in the form of pass interference or roughing the quarterback. So just mm-hmm. really be smart with How those do you rough calls. Josh Allen? He's bigger than most people that try to tackle him. Well, that's that's what the league goes with. I mean, he was hitting the head last week on his fumble and no one cared. If that had yeah, been Tom it's, Brady, it's there almost been like an he's being it's almost like they've got Gronk or Cam Newton rules for the way that yep. he's officiated. Shaq. Shaq, yep. Gronk, Shaq Cam rules. Newton. Yep, it's very that's the way they are officiating it. I don't care for it because I think you could argue he's one of your top three to five biggest stars in the league, and the reason you have these rules in place is to protect your quarterbacks and protect your stars. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it infuriates me that Josh Allen is now treated like the big bully rather than the quarterback that he is. And But that's I just hope we don't have that today. Don't, don't have any questionable roughing the passer calls and do not have any questionable pass interference calls, and then we can just move along with a nice playoff game with two of the best young quarterbacks in the game, hopefully getting in a 30-something, 30-something shootout in Buffalo where they are expecting, I like this, I don't know if you do, they are expecting some flurries of snow in the second half. There is the potential for it to be a little bit of a oh, snow game. I flippin' love Yep. A wintry background, especially on a playoff game. And this is why we don't want to see neutral site games anymore going forward. Correct. One time and one time only. Correct. Especially since they screwed the pooch and at least could have gone with my idea of the neutral site being Heinz Field, where they could have donated the charities, uh, the money to the home charities of DeMar Hamlin in his home area. But no, they had to go to a nice antiseptic dome like it's a Super Bowl where... Blah, turf and roofs and the full 72 degrees and there'll be no snow right. and no wind where we were guaranteed wind right Bengals mm-hmm. Bengals uh, Buffalo and Kansas City are all areas where you're guaranteed some sort of weather it's going to be cold it's going to be snowy it's going to be windy instead we're going to play this game in a perfectly uh, um, controlled indoor environment and I'm going for the long 10-day forecast in Pittsburgh which was your idea of where they should have the quote-unquote neutral site AFC championship Next Sunday, um, yeah, just cold. Just yeah. It just would have been cold. It's supposed to be. It's football yeah. weather. It's playoffs. It's supposed to be cold. It's not supposed to be 72 and like, oh, I yeah. can take my shirt off and not freeze. Right. Everyone's 68, perfect conditions, field turf, climate Terrible. controlled, great Terrible. broadcast, as many fans for both teams. It's a college bowl game. Terrible. Yeah. Well, at the same time, though, like like both of us wouldn't just you know die to go to the game or like can't wait to watch it as well. Oh, we'll yeah. see, but it could also be in Kansas City next week. I still think the Bengals can pull off the upset. Before we get into a full-blown preview, and we'll also loop in our producer, Ethan, host of the very fabulous Greeks Gridiron podcast where he breaks down football games on a regular basis. Please throw my guy a sub. He's on YouTube, the Greeks Gridiron. Uh, I got a couple other questions for you. Andy. The most desirable landing spot for a quarterback this offseason is? Um, well, are we? do we think San Francisco is in the mix or not in the mix? It, dep- it depends. You know what? Caveat to that being uh, depending on how Brock Purdy plays today and or the rest of the postseason. If he plays terribly today, I think San Francisco opens up. If he gets them to next week, if not the Super Bowl, I think they actually stick with the kid. Okay, so number one on the list would be San Francisco. You have Mm -hmm. great offensive weapons, great defense, great coaching. I think you have the whole kit and caboodle. That is a great landing spot. But let's just pretend Brock Purdy finishes the job, looks pretty good the rest of the way, no matter how far they go. Let's pretend that's out of the mix. Then I would say... That's a good question. I try that. Generally, that's what I try to do as the host of the program is ask good questions. Um, I don't think it's Indianapolis. 
and Indianapolis well, is likely to draft a quarterback. I don't think blue. it's Houston. They're likely to draft a quarterback as yeah, well. Yeah, not Houston. Uh, I would say perhaps, perhaps, excuse me, I would say perhaps Baltimore, probably not the Jets, maybe the Jets. Uh, the is Jets it the, is would you the say the Jets or the Raiders is more desirable? Um, I was. I think the Raiders is the most desirable because you have theoretically a good offensive coach. You have great weapons. You have arguably the best receiver in football. Fun city, dome. Um, now you play in the West, so there's that issue of the competition with Mahomes and Herbert and everybody. Um, but I think that's a good job. But the Jets is probably next in line because you have a defense and you have good young offensive weapons in Brees Hall coming back and obviously Garrett Wilson who had a good rookie year. Um, so the Jets is an intriguing because that's a I keep saying this that's a championship defense. They have absolutely have a championship defense and no quarterback and a young offense. So that could be um, a fun place to be. And the coach is new. So you go in there at the ground level with a new coordinator. I mean the coach in terms of the coordinator. Um, you go in with a new coordinator, new quarterback. That could be a, uh, a nice pairing moving forward. So, yeah, I'd probably go San Francisco 1, Vegas 2, mm-hmm. Jets 3. Mm-hmm. Now, Indy is interesting because if you remember, some people thought Indy was a borderline Super Bowl team this year. Oh, Matt Ryan's going to have a career resurgence. they got a good If he could just do what Carson Wentz didn't at the end of the season right. and not lose to Jacksonville. Ugh. And the bottom fell out. And now they're that, looking for a coach. They're looking for a quarterback. Like say, that didn't age well. No, it definitely did not. But um, they could be a bounce-back team. They definitely could be a – I mean, look at the, the Jaguars where you get the right coach in you make some tweaks in the the talent, and you go from the first pick in the draft to competing with a banged-up Chiefs team on divisional round weekend. So Indy wouldn't surprise me if they had a bounce back. I thought they were a little overrated this year. I think they're a little underrated right now. Okay, I can, I can sort of see that. Uh, last question, most desirable offensive coordinator spot? Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, because I believe you be. not only pair up with Justin Herbert, I believe you'll be the head coach after this season because I think – the boob will get fired, and then you'll they'll want to keep you to mm-hmm. lead Herbert and the offense. You know, as long as you get along with Herbert and you don't fall on your face like Matt Patricia, I think if you take that coordinator job, you could be the head coach in a year. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And then uh, the Jets. The Jets is a good one because, as I said, you might pair yourself with a a new quarterback, a couple young weapons, a good defense. I don't know that you have to be. Uh, great offensively in order to win games and to maybe turn things around a little bit. You can kind of ride the defense. Just don't screw it up. Pull a Daniel Jones and go in there and have few turnovers, and I think that's a team that could be much better playing that style of football. But uh, Justin Herbert, Eckler, the weapons, and the ability to become head coach, it's Chargers by a landslide. So, Ethan, you've done an excellent job producing today's program. You've done an excellent job on the trending updates as well. And, of course, like you, like I mentioned just moments ago, people need to know that you've got an excellent – a YouTube channel where you break down the NFL, you talk some sports yourself. You're not just a handsome man who never misses a leg day or a peck day and does a good job on the ones and the twos. Who do you like in the games today and why? So starting with the Bengals and the Bills, I, listen, I made my pick for this game, my official picks for this game, prior to the knowledge that Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa were going to be out. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to back the Bengals, though. I, to me, they just feel like world beaters. And my biggest concern with Buffalo, for as talented as they are, and they would be a lot more scarier if uh, we had Vaughn Miller on that defense, but he's not. Mm-hmm. I, Josh Allen is fantastic. 
but I feel like he's reading the news clippings about how good he is a little too much, and people have brought it up. He's a little reckless with the ball, and the red zone stuff has been talked about all over the media back and forth all season long since it's been going on, but even just in other situations as well where you... I know he can make all the throws. Everyone is aware that he can make all the throws. But every now and again, I see him throw a ball to someone, and sometimes it's right to a defender, too. And I'm just, it, you can't seem to get away from that narrative where it started with the red zones, but now you're starting to see it in just any part of the field where he's good for like one or two boneheaded interceptions a game now. And with a Bengals defense that's as good as it is, especially in the second half of games. And like I said, Joe Burrow. Ice cold. He has T. Higgins. He has Jamar Chase. He has an excellent running back group as well with Pirine and with Joe Mixon. You can't really count the Bengals out in this game, and they did it last year, and I don't see why they can't do it again where they can just march into Buffalo and be the world beaters they are and find themselves in another AFC Championship game. Yeah, see, I completely agree with you. I think a lot of people agree with you. It's kind of unsexy to go against America's sweetheart right now, the team that most people outside of their own rooting districts, if you will, are pulling for. But Joe Burrow does have ice in his veins. They really don't care. They'll play anywhere. I love. I think, Andy, you love that mentality. I know you love Burrow. And you yep. love everything he and this team represent. It's the, the one thing you pointed out, Ethan. Um, and, Andy, tell me if this, duress, if this uh, distresses you about Buffalo today. Josh has been playing a lot. For some reason, there's too much hero ball going on with him, like Ethan just said a minute ago. Like, he's going to give you one, two, maybe three chances a game to pick one off. Or last week we saw a slap fumble on a sack uh, that turned into uh, an easy six for Miami. Why does why won't he check it down? Why won't he take what's given to him? Cause it's there very often, but instead he's trying to be the hero. Like you don't have to save Buffalo by yourself, buddy. Like just work within the system. Cause the good angel voice in his head that tells him not to do that now coaches the New York football giants. I firmly mm. believe this is a, a step back from the, the Dable leadership that he had and, you know, they've gotten back a little to where he ignores the underneath throw, the safe throw, and chucks it. The end of that game last week, they were just drop back, chuck it deep, drop back, chuck it deep. And I think a lot of that has to do with Brian Dayball being gone and them sort of transitioning into life without him. Yeah, it's uh, it, 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 they're playing with fire. I mean, like it's, I'd be as tempted to throw deep to Steph Diggs or Gabe Davis as well every third play, but sometimes you can just take... Singletary or Cook or McKenzie if he's going to play today or Knox underneath like you know death by a thousand paper cuts still gets you the same number of points it just doesn't get as get it as quickly but uh, we'll get your thoughts Ethan on the later game as well in the 145 slot we have to run a commercial or two we've got a trend right now and our pal Kyrie Thompson from WEI.com is going to join us in moments so Ethan sports news take it away your home of the Sox now here's what's trending on WEI Trending now here at WEI and WEI.com. The first half of the NFL divisional round is in the books as the Chiefs have punched their ticket to a fifth straight AFC championship game. Patrick Mahomes sustained an ankle injury during the game, forcing him out for a series. And it has been confirmed from Adam Schefter that he has a high ankle sprain. So he is dealing with that, but it's also being noted that he has made it clear he plans on playing next Sunday. He is not going to miss that game despite it. So I expect a lot of rehabilitation from him trying to get ready to go for that one. 
The Eagles stomped the Giants 38-7 as Philadelphia made easy work of their division rivals. They will be hosting the NFC Championship game against the winner of today's Cowboys and 49ers game. And you can catch both of those two remaining games right here on WEEI and on the free Odyssey app. Coverage for those games begins at 2.30 p.m. with kickoff for Bengals at Bills set for 3 and Cowboys at 49ers set for 6.30. Celtics bench stepping up big time last night without Jason Tatum in a 106-104 win over the Toronto Raptors. Grant Williams finishing the game with career high 25 points on the evening. Marcus Smart and Rob Williams both went down in an, with an injury in the second half, but they are expected to be okay. They play again tomorrow night in Orlando against the Magic with tip-off set for 7 p.m. And the Bruins are hosting the San Jose Sharks tonight. Puck drop for that one is set for 7 p.m. as well. I'm Ethan Rissadulu, and that's what's trending here at WEEI and WEEI.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yes, sir. WEI Football Sunday rolls on here on 93.7 FM. WEI, WEI.com on the Odyssey app. We are Boston Sports Original. Andy, I'm getting excited. We're 95 minutes away from kickoff. Can you feel it? Uh, not quite yet. <laughs> I was just uh, during the break, I was preparing things in the kitchen. I'm getting ready with the snacks. What do you guys, uh, what do you got lined up for your buffet today? Uh, probably some nachos and I believe some wings. I've become a big fan of homemade nachos. We have, uh, continued oh, to evolve best. in that area and, uh, it is really good. I eat way too much because you mm-hmm. make like a full big old cookie sheet full of them and it's probably more than anybody needs to be eating as a family, but, uh, they are so good. I, 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 nachos have ebbed and flowed throughout my appetizer life. 
as my favorite um, appetizer. Like, I go through phases where I move on to mm-hmm. something else, like wings. I always come home to nachos. Nachos are the best universal appetizer, I believe. Uh, I think my favorite thing I've ever heard you say is, I always come home to nachos. I do. <laughs> <That> might be. <laughs> I want that on my tombstone. <laughs> They're so good. And then in this They're the best. They are the goat appetizer. Period. End of story. Everyone in my family loves them. We love them a million different ways. But that's the thing. Like, you can go basic. And then you can have, like, a... You don't have to always just load it up. You can do, like, a little nacho bar. Little fixings. Like Bloody Mary. Some people like them spicy. Some people in Chicago like a whole side of beef and a you know wedge of cheese in there. Whatever works for you, that's fine. But they are the universal goat as far as appetizers go. The one thing I haven't done, and I don't know if you've dabbled in this area, is the like tabletop or countertop nacho. Have you done that yet? Where these people do like the whole counter or the whole table, and they pour like a pan of beef on top of chips on top of pan of, and you eat right off like a tin foil covered table. I, I haven't gone down that road yet. I'm not really. No, I ha- I have not. Um, okay, yeah, me either. It doesn't. I don't know. It seems like a lot of work. Sounds a bit gross. Nothing. Yeah. yeah, that's that sounds a little gross. I know like some people like the uh, I've seen there's a place on the Cape I love that does like bucket of nachos and I love yep. the oh, top. Yeah. But then by the time you get to the bottom, it's like, yep, the dividend and yield isn't right. And then Guy Fieri's place does the trash can nachos, which are yep. just a beautiful, delicious and glorious disaster. Um, I'm an even distribution guy. So like I oh my God, I could do 30 minutes on nachos right now. My what do God, you think of um the places and yes Kyrie Thompson is on hold we'll get him and his nachos we'll get to him we're done with nachos nachos are more important than Kyrie sorry Kyrie um (laughs) what do you think of the upper scale nacho where a lot of times it's on like the individual house-made triangle tortilla and it's like a plate and each one is its own little nacho but not like a pile like each one is created individually yeah individually Mm, i actually i actually like the i don't i don't want to i don't like going through the i've had them like that before the individually dressed i like going for the variety i just i me too somewhat are going to have too much cheese too many beans too much this and that and some aren't going to have as much that's just part of the fun you never know what you're going to get that's called Uh, life exactly uh Exactly. Life and, and comparing them to nachos. What a beautiful analogy. Okay. He called in just for this kind of talk and so much more. Our <laughs> Patriots beat writer extraordinaire from WEI.com, the host of First in Foxborough, a nationally respected voice when it comes to the NFL, the New England Patriots, and so much more on the Harbor One hotline. The one, the only, the original Nacho Smith himself, Kyrie Thompson. Kyrie, what is your favorite game day appetizer and why is it probably not nachos? Uh, nachos are solid. Um, definitely had some nachos yesterday during those games. Also had some uh, some barbecue wings, some hot wings because it was it was football watching combined with three year old birthday party because my girl turned three yesterday. So that oh, was happy birthday! Happy. Yeah, What's your daughter's yeah, name again, my man? Maya. Maya, happy birthday, Maya! I hope you guys had a great foot, football and kids birthday parties. They're two great tastes that were made to go together. Yes, most definitely. Also, um, I petitioned to read this uh, at, at Andy's funeral one day. Uh, from nachos he came, and to the nachos he has returned. <laughs> I'll be happy. More than happy to have anybody read that, put it on my tombstone, whatever. Living the nacho life, that's all you can do. Oh, uh, it's, it's great. I kind of figured you for a little bit of a wings guy, though, Kyrie, for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, you, Yeah, you had me pegged. You got me okay, pegged, man. Okay, I thought so. That's, that's my number one. Yeah, there's a go-to. Um uh, the million different ways we can go about him. I'm sure the audience is like, no, guys, please go on with the, like, let's do this podcast from the 99 next time. Uh, all right, Ooh, Kyrie, how are you yeah. feeling about the way the offensive coordinator search went this week during these 
most unusual two weeks in Foxborough with the press release and Belichick's press conference and Robert Kraft's email followed up by five, count them, five video conference interviews with offensive coordinators this week. Seems like all roads are pointing to Billy O'Brien. Do you think that is the first step in the right direction for the Patriots as they look to rebuild their offense in 2023? Yes, and I would say that when you look at the way this was kind of constructed, where you heard about Billy O'Brien's interview coming at the end, it's like, okay, yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll bring in um, you know, all, the, all these guys, you know, give you your eye candy. Oh, Nick Cayley, cool. But then at the end of the week, it's like, okay, uh, all right, Bill, what's, uh, what's going on? How are we feeling? And, and it's basically just, yeah, that interview probably went exactly how they wanted it to go. And, you know, the relationship is still there. The ideas are still there. And then it's just a matter of, okay, he's probably got to be the clubhouse favorite for this. I have a hard time believing any of the other candidates are really under serious consideration for the offensive coordinator compared to him anyway. And then the question is like, okay, you talked about video conferences. Do you go further and say, okay, let's bring you in for a second interview? Or is this more of a, okay, look, we, we knew we wanted to go in this direction most likely. We know what Bill O'Brien's about. He's been here before. It's not like some dude we've never seen. It's like, okay, once we've kind of got that, that feel them out sort of meeting, are we good to go on that? I do find it interesting that we haven't heard more about how the meeting went. And I guess where the along in the process they are, I would have to guess they, they know where they stand on this. And maybe it's just a, okay, let me take it home to my family. Let me, let me marinate on this a little bit. Let me see if Monty Austin Ford's going to be like, hey, you want to be our head coach down in Arizona? So I still think all roads are still leading to Bill O'Brien, but I'm sure he's trying to see if there's a road not taken that he could explore too. Kyrie, I pride myself in being able to argue almost anything on the radio. Some have said I could argue with myself on the radio. So Agreed. I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> Fitzy knows that. Uh, I'm going to challenge you because everybody seems to have accepted that Billy O is going to be the guy. He's the best candidate. Sell me on why Billy O should not be the next Patriots offensive coordinator. Well, if you wanted to basically get away from the Bill Belichick tree of things, because look, we, we know, I don't know, man. To, to me, it's just that eventually they're going to have to change. Whether it, you know, whether it comes when, Bill, when uh, Bill Belichick is retired or whether it's now, I mean, there's an inflection point that is coming. I feel like they tried to have it to a certain extent last year, where they tried to simplify things and try to go towards this more kind of Shanahan-esque offense or, you know, McVay-style offense is actually probably more accurate for what they were trying to do, and it failed. Now, you could say, look, if you want to continue on that path, if you actually want to change for that direction, then now would be the time to go away from a Bill O'Brien because, in the end, Bill O'Brien is going to be more of the system that you had before, Right. And, mm-hmm. and, I mean, you, you know what he's about. You know that he can work with Mac Jones in, in terms of doing things that are more college-oriented, more RPOs, and more spread type of things. He has a little bit of a relationship with Mac Jones. You could say all that. And you could also say, look, this guy, he could probably come in for a year or two, and then he might be a head coaching candidate again. What if you wanted to just start basically a new tree here, a new branch of this tree that gets the end, gets you back more towards – you know, developing towards the modern NFL because Bill O'Brien is not necessarily, 
that guy when I think of that. I mean, you again, there's the whole college offense part. But if you wanted to get into the McVay-style offense or really go for that tree, then Bill O'Brien's not your guy. And I do feel like if you wanted to pick up the threads that you were playing around with in training camp, build on that, not just completely scrap it and give it up, but really build on it, then I think you should go with somebody else. At the same time, I have a feeling they don't want to do that. They want to get back to, look, this is the safest candidate. Let's just get back to what we know works. And that's Bill O'Brien to a T. Yeah, see, that's been my take, Kyrie. Kyrie Thompson from WEI.com and the First in Foxborough podcast. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline here on WEI Football Sunday. My spin has been, I just want the Patriots not to go back to tried and true and what used to work. I just want them to get boring, get traditional, just get safe this next year because you have so much work you need to undo from last season and you need to build the confidence back into Mac Jones. And we need to get the offensive line cohesive and on the same page that if it is as unsexy as Doug Marone and Bill O'Brien, I'm fine with that because at least these are devils I know or devils I'm familiar with. And I think they'll be able to put some respect and some confidence back into this offense. Now, if these are the guys that go with Kyrie, do you think any of the other four they spoke with this year may find their way onto the coaching staff in some capacity, like uh, Sean Jefferson in the wide receivers room, or maybe Clem working with the offensive unit, offensive line, excuse me. See, that, that's the really interesting part because the wide receivers coaches, I, I, I get that they are probably disappointed with, how the wide receivers performed and maybe they're looking at the coaching and saying maybe that isn't necessarily how we wanted to how we wanted to do things maybe there's a better way and you bring in those receiver coaches from the outside to get their idea for a couple of reasons get their idea of okay what can we do better from a coaching standpoint in terms of our our techniques the things we work on in practice and what have you but even a little bit of okay what kinds of uh, prospects are you looking at here in the draft what's your opinion on them in case you want to bring in more talent which i think they definitely need to but i i'm not necessarily of the mind that oh yeah troy brown is going to get fired or, or reassigned i think that if any reassignment happens in that room maybe it's ross douglas especially if you lose nick Cayley, maybe you see if Ross Douglas slides over to you know be your tight ends coach or something like that. So he's already got his feet wet working with the wide receivers. But I think the offensive line one with Adrian Clem, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Because with Matt Patricia, you could go with that again and, and just say, like, okay, maybe with a little spread thin, you know, being senior football advisor and uh, play caller and offensive line coaches, give, give him one of those tasks. But it's not like he did very well with the offensive line anyway. And I think that Clem, again, brings a little bit of a fresh perspective where you need new blood in there. To me, I'm not going to say that he's going to be Dante Scarnecchia and all that good stuff, right? But you've already kind of gone through that tree, and none of those guys are Dante. I mean, no no, no one is going to be Scar. So maybe you need to get a fresh perspective with some of these guys, and particularly with some of these younger athletic linemen. In particular, I'm looking at Cole Strange here. You get a guy who's over at University of Oregon who's known for that kind of spread style, up-tempo, quick attack over the years, and you've got yourself a quick offensive lineman, get him out on the edge, figure out how to maximize him. I feel like that could be really interesting. And again, you're going to have an opportunity to get a couple of new offensive linemen this year, potentially with your first overall pick. So I think that would be really interesting to bring in a guy like Clem. Kyrie, what do you think 
Bill Belichick's role will be in 2023. And I ask this because if you bring in Billy O'Brien, you have a very experienced, quote-unquote, CEO of the offense. If you give Gerard Mayo the assistant head coach title, and he and Steve are running the defense, and you rotate Joe Judge to special teams where his history has proven he's a good coach, is Bill now available to sort of become like that Bobby Bowden that used to ride around on a golf cart at Florida State practices and be the sort of overseer of everything, the executive producer? Could we see a little bit of a a more hands-off Bill Belichick in 2023? I was talking to Eric Galco at the, of the Shrine Bowl. That's going to be coming up here soon. And he yep. talked about the Patriots coaching staff is going to be down there. And, you know, sometimes guys are going to be, you know, co- coaching up a role. And I've heard, for example, Mike Reese said that Troy Brown might be the, you know, quote unquote head coach yep. uh, of that operation down there. And he described Bill Belichick's role as most likely being head coach emeritus, which is basically what you just described that yep. I'm just going to sit back and chill, and I'll be there if anybody wants me. Maybe I'll I'll hop in a positional drill every once in a while and and give you some pointers, but for the most part, I'm going to watch my guys do things. I feel like if you put this kind of coaching staff together, where you've got Gerard Mayo calling the plays or or being assistant head coach or whatever it is that he's going to be doing, and then you have a Bill O'Brien who, I mean, you could just – Stand back and let him do the thing, okay? Just like you did with Josh McDaniels, where, like, you'd be down there at training camp, and you'd be watching practice, and, yeah, Bill Belichick might be involved with the offense, but that was Josh McDaniels' show. It would be Mm -hmm. Bill O'Brien's show. So, yes, I do think that with you you could go from immediately having a lot of question marks about, okay, how is Bill Belichick going to fit into this team? Is he going to be overworked? Is he going to be spreading himself thin to – man, does Bill really even have a whole lot to do here? Because you've got a bunch of guys who just know what they're doing. And I think that that would be great for the Patriots. Okay, And especially to not have all of these questions hanging over your head about, hey, is Bill going to call the plays? Is he going to have to take over more of this operation? At this point, you would have guys who have been in their roles for long enough and, and you know have experience, they know what they're doing, you don't have to hold anybody's hand along the way, you can have input on personnel, you can have input on overall scheme things, but you don't have to worry about things like, okay, am I going to get asked 85 times this week about who's calling the plays? You already know, everybody knows their roles, now just do your job. I think that would be excellent. Andy? Oh, sorry, I thought it was your turn. I thought it was your turn. My apologies. Well, Kyrie Thompson joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Uh, you know what? Actually, it is my turn. I apologize. I thought it was yours. These Pay things attention. happen sometimes. You spend enough time together in a four and a half hour radio show, you lose track of things. But it happens. You're gazing uh, lovingly into each other's eyes. Is yes. That, is that what yes. I caught you doing? Yes, actually, was... I was uh, just looking at pictures of nachos that I want to make later on. <laughs> um, nice save, Kyrie. I got, I got, two, I got two for you. We'll see if we can squeeze these in. Um, Last summer, of course, you and I famously on the radio on a Saturday afternoon with our old pal Brian Barrett, and we espoused the idea that the Patriots would be prolific, if not best off, with a wide receiver room of number twos and threes, and that that would make for one dynamic unit, or so we thought heading into the season. Um, Maybe it could have worked. We'll never know, because unfortunately, the way things went down with Belichick, Judge, and Patricia, the offense was thoroughly dysfunctional all season long. Do you still believe that could possibly work for this team, or are you on board with they need a number one? And if so, who would that be? I would say this. It could work in if you want something that is good, if you want something that is decent. If you want something that's going to be 
top of the NFL, I feel like we've already, we already know what that requires. And in particular, going into quarterbacks' third years, you know what other teams have done. They have traded for or signed a big-name guy, got them for your team, and said, okay, here, young buck, let's go. And they elevate, those number one receivers elevate everybody else around them. I feel like if you want a real evaluation of what Mac Jones is, that's what you have to do. You already tried it with the, okay, you have more or less the same personnel. Let's see if you could just get better by virtue of having more experience. Now you, you need a guy that keeps defenses up at night, that you, they have to circle on the board and say, we mm-hmm. need to double-team that guy. Or when he's lined up here, we need to change our, our coverage scheme to account for him because they don't have that. I think, look, DeAndre Hopkins sounds like a good idea. At the same time, if Bill O'Brien is here, that's probably not happening. I feel like, to me, I would love to take a swing at somebody like a T. Higgins because I think that his, his upside, his body type, everything about him just screams a guy that can get better and grow into that role. And if that's not going to happen, see if you could sign somebody like, I don't know, maybe an Alan Lazard who, again, he's kind of an undrafted guy, but he's a big body. He's somebody that I think is probably still better than anybody on this receiving core, um, you know, except for maybe Jacoby Myers. But I feel like if you want, if you want the real, like if you really want to mm-hmm. go and make that swing, you got to make that trade. You got to make a big move because we already know what it looks like when you try to ride with okay rather than really really good. Speaking of uh, okay or really really good, if you keep Gerard Mayo, you keep Steve Belichick. We've seen. Sort of the evolution of Josh Uche. We saw Duggar's evolution. How much room for growth is there still on this Patriots defense to be maybe a team-carrying elite unit? I would say, look, they were a playoff unit this past season. I don't think they were a Super Bowl caliber unit or Super Bowl adjacent. You know, as as uh, you know, I, I heard on a on a segment the other day um, that I was on. It, it's more that I think they were good. I think there is still room for growth, especially when you're talking about Uche developing into the pass rusher that he was. Now, can he be an every-down guy? That would require him stopping the run a little bit better than you think, but I think when he's in on passing downs and he can just pin his ears back, he's great. But I feel like if you want to talk about this being a team-carrying elite unit, they need a number one corner. They need a guy that is going to strap up one side of the field, and that is it. Because especially when you're talking about the possibility of Devin McCourty not being here to hold it down on the back end anymore, things are going to change a little bit. And so I think you need at least one elite corner on your team somewhere because we saw that, yeah, they were, they were fine, and I think they did better than they did last year. But when they started facing the you know, Jamar Chases and the T. Higgins, you know, or the Justin Jeffersons, they got ate up a little bit. And so that, I think, is the thing that's really holding them back from being elite. Because when you look at some of the other pieces that they have, where Kyle Duggar just started morphing into a complete monster, just like a superstar-level beast. I mean, that's huge, having that level of playmaker. And I think the linebackers were better than we gave them credit for as well. But again, in a passing league, you've got to be able to make things tougher on the back end. So to me, that's the other thing you need to target. I would say you need to target yourself a tackle, you know, whether it's early on or whatever, to, to get somebody who can show up on the left or right side for the future. You need to get yourself a real receiver. And you need to get yourself a real corner. All right, Kyrie, we'll get you out on this, my guy. Who do you got today? What are, what are your picks? 
I had the Bills going to the Super Bowl, so I'm not going to stop now. I know that the Bengals had them on the ropes when they were down in Cincinnati before everything went wild, but uh, I'm going to stick with the Bills. And then, okay, this is going to be controversial. I got Dallas pulling an upset because I feel like the other shoe's got to drop for Brock Purdy at some point. I just feel like this cannot continue to go on. I saw hints of it at the end of that first half last week, running backwards in the pocket and doing all kind of crazy stuff. If you see any of that again today, I feel like they might lose this game. Yeah, and maybe Dan Quinn, who's been interviewing for a second head coach opportunity this past week, dials up a couple exotics that maybe, just maybe, his old pal Kyle Shanahan, as they used to work together on the famous Super Bowl 51 Atlanta Falcons coaching staff, hasn't seen before. It should make for an excellent game. You can follow him at KD Thompson 5 and, of course, read his musings, analysis, and more at weei.com and check out and subscribe to the First and Foxborough podcast. Kyrie, enjoy the nachos, the wings, the entire day. Once again, happy birthday to your daughter, Maya. We will talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate y'all. Happy watching and happy feasting. All right. Damn right. Uh, Kyrie Thompson joining us on the Harbor One Hotline. 617-779-7937 is the number. When we come back, Ethan, Andy, and I will give you our picks for the second game today. Two o'clock. It's Shime with the best bets. And then we will wrap this puppy up. WEI Football Sunday coming right back. Getting closer and closer, just about an hour and ten minutes until kickoff of the highly anticipated Bengals-Bills resumption, if you will, of their affair from a few weeks ago on a Monday night when, unfortunately, tragic events unfolded at Paycor Stadium. Now it's at Highmark Stadium, and the stakes couldn't be much higher. We can't wait for that one. Pre-game coverage at 2.30 starts here in WEI with kickoff set for just after 3 p.m. Real quick, we go back to the phones before we give you our picks for the latter of the two games today, uh, the second day of Divisional Round Weekend. John is in the car. Hi, John. Gentlemen, what's going on today? How I love doing? the nacho talk. I'm good. I love the nacho <laughs> talk, uh, Andy. I'm, I'm uh, respectfully. Uh, I'm glad you've never done like the dump it all on the table thing, and I hope you never do because uh, I think that's like a, a, a step below you. Um, oh, thank you. So yeah, I, 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 but I, but I do appreciate your uh, you know you know keeping nachos as the number one. Um, and you know what? I, I I felt bad for you the other night. I thought Rich uh, poo pooed you way too quickly. On that, you know, Bill O'Brien's going to come to New England because his son's coming to Tufts. Like, I thought that was also one of the reasons he didn't leave Alabama last year was because his family was, you know, nearing a time where they could move throughout the country. And now they are at that point where he's, okay, I can look for a different job because my son's going to college. So I think that's a completely reasonable take. And that's probably why things are the way things are. So thank you. Screw you Rich Keith. Sunday. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Screw Rich Keefe. We can all agree on that. Uh, right? I thought he also had wanted to weigh in. Maybe he was just sympathizing with you about the Keefe thing and also wanted to weigh in on the Isn't nachos. I thought he actually had some thoughts on Bill O'Brien. Perhaps he did. John, save him for next Sunday. We'll be back. We'll always be here on Sundays. We will always rest, be here. but we don't. <laughs> uh, not too long until we hear from Chris Schein with the best bets of the day, but let's actually give you our picks for the latter game today. Uh, 6.30 from Levi's Stadium. Uh, I think I'm going Bengals in the first game. Andy, are you going Bills or Bengals? I'm going Bengals. I'm worried about Bengals. the Bills Ethan, you're going Bengals too, right? Absolutely. Okay, so we're we unanimity. We're unanimous. We're unified wrong. front. The whole family is in on the Bengals. They are getting five and a half points in the first game. Game two, you got three and a half point favorite San Francisco 
hosting Dallas. Ethan, the floor is yours once again. How do you see this one playing out? All right. Well, this was probably the hardest one to pick for. Um, this was the one I was least sure on until I did some digging into the weeds and numbers. Now, the biggest thing that stands out to me right now going into this game here is the turnover differential. It's a little bit skewed. When you look at like their season numbers overall, 49ers are first in the league with plus 13. Dallas is plus 10. But the story is really told within like the last five or six weeks or so of the season when you look at the numbers here. The Dallas Cowboys have been turning the ball over like crazy, especially the last five weeks coming into like the end of the season. In there, they had only one week where they didn't have double digit turnovers. Whereas when you look at the 49ers, since Brock Purdy has taken over this team, and I'll tell and let me say this by telling everyone I was a very big skeptic of the 49ers, I believe they were like four and four since they rattled off every single win since then. I was not on the 49er train. I'm not a big fan of Jimmy Garoppolo, but once he took over Brock Purdy, I was like, okay. This gives me a little bit of hope for this team, mainly because I just it's an unknown. What are we going to get from Brock Purdy? And he has exceeded all expectations. The 49ers have scored 33-plus points in six of seven games with him under center. Obviously, winners of 11 straight. Their roster is... There's nobody hurt. There might be like a guy or two that's banged up on a questionable injury report, but uh-huh. everyone's here for them. Whereas you look at Dallas, the secondary's kind of hurting a little bit. Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown, both injured. I'm going to go with San Francisco. I think it could be a closer game. My score prediction that I picked for this was 30-20 to 20 San Fran. So mm-hmm. I do think San Francisco mm-hmm. can cover because I really think this defense is going to overwhelm an offense from Dallas that has just kind of gotten a little turnover happy at the wrong time of the year. That's good. That's a solid take. I love the over in this game as well. Andy, do you agree with Ethan's spin on this one? Uh, are you in on the Purdy one? Or do you think today is the day where he finally trips up? Um, I, I think he's the key to the game. I mean, I, I it's obvious because um, I think they're the best team, best coach. I think this is a coaching mismatch, Shanahan versus McCarthy. Um, but if Purdy looks like a young quarterback for any semblance of this game, if he pulls a Trevor Lawrence and throws three picks in the first quarter, obviously that would change absolutely everything. And Micah Parsons and that defense can have those types of performances. Um, but if Purdy plays average football, I think the 49ers are the more talented team, the better team. The defense can get after the Cowboys, who can be sloppy. Dak turns it over. Like, that is just a reality of the second half of the season. Um, So, yeah, I'll go with the 49ers, just assuming that Purdy doesn't fall apart. Yeah, I just don't see this one being where he changes back into a pumpkin. And his great uh, best game Dak Prescott ever played as a pro, let alone in the playoffs, and certainly put some shine back on Mike McCarthy. Tampa Bay stinks. They smell. They were awful. That was a putrid (laughs) effort. They looked great against a garbage team that had a garbage effort. And while I still think they can give the Niners a game today, um, I think I I think San Francisco is just too talented. Good point, Ethan. Like that's just too much talent on that roster. Like San Francisco would have to implode full playoff Shanahan and Garoppolo style to not get the job done today. It'll be a close game. Uh, I could see 27, 20, I could see 27, 24, 27, 23. Uh, and I don't think by the way that Maher misses an extra point today. A lot of people taking that one to the propositionals, a lot of people putting money on that one. Um, but yeah, I think we are all in agreement that it's going to be San Francisco and Ben's get, uh, and Ben's gals. And I actually think that might be the Super Bowl, And I think that would be kind of fun because 
They played not once but twice many moons ago, and I know Cincinnati is looking to get one back on them as well. As far as that prop bet of Maher missing an extra point, we'll talk to our pal Chris Scheim in just moments to see if he thinks that's a good prop. He's going to give you his best bets, teasers, parlays, propositionals, and more as we get to the fifth hour. It's only a half an hour. The final leg, the home stretch of Fitzy and Hart's WEI Football Sunday coming up. Time now for WEI Football Sunday with Fitzy and Hart. WEI Football Sunday is co-sponsored by Zudi. Build any application your company needs in one week. Visit ZUDY.com for your free trial. By New England Recovery Center in Westboro, where recovery is possible. By your local New England Kubota tractor dealers. By Northeast Electrical, where pros need pros at needco.com. By Catches Law Group, the personal injury pros at catcheslaw.com. And by Anderson Windows and your local Anderson Windows dealer. Now, WEEI Football Sunday. the gun to start it. Brady with time. Fires it in there and it is caught by Bennett. This team out. And they go five wides here on the second snap. And again, well protected to Edelman. Edelman leaves past the defender. And he's in the Pittsburgh territory. Still on his feet. Keeping his balance down to the 23 before. Easy. Jordan! 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 Now, Brady comes out of that. Splits everybody out. What did he see? He saw by action now another completion Hogan third and five Brady well protected all kinds of time and that goes in touchdown New England Chris Hogan a hearing sounds from six years ago today Andy Hart as we get into the fifth and final half hour of today's edition of WEI Football Sunday. That was six years ago today, Andy Hart. A little audio I wanted to share with everybody. One of the most forgotten or more often forgotten and overlooked dominant playoff performances from the Brady and Belichick era. That was the 2017 AFC Championship to wrap up the 2016 season, sending the Patriots to a very memorable Super Bowl. In Houston, just a couple weeks later, 36-17 final score, and it wasn't really that close against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brady that day, 384, three touchdowns. Chris Hogan, nine catches, Mrs. Bueller, nine catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Just an absolutely epic performance. I remember watching that game in no way shape. I thought the Steelers would give him a much better game. I know Brady owned the Steelers in the Dick LeBeau defense, but holy smokes. That was truly one of the best playoff performances, if not maybe the most dominant one I think I ever saw the Patriots offense put on. And if you ever asked people in a few years, you remember that game when Chris Hogan had 180 yards and two touchdowns in the AFC title game? I think most people would forget it. Like I think Because the funny thing is, I don't know if you remember this, mm-hmm. Julio Jones had the exact same game in the NFC title game for the Falcons. That's he right. Had two I for- touchdowns, I, 180 yards. I remember, but yards. I forgot. Thank you for the reminder. And it's funny, like Julio Jones is thought of as an all-time. I just actually went back and looked. It's kind of stupid. So I'm looking right now. Mm -hmm. Chris Hogan had nine catches on 12 targets for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Julio Jones had nine catches on 12 targets for 180 yards and two touchdowns. What are the chances of that happening? You have got to be. You're kidding. No, this is why I remember The exact same stat line. 
yes, this is why I remembered it. And I don't think people that that didn't necessarily resonate. And obviously, Julio Jones at the time was one of the top receivers in football, one of the maybe big considered the tops at that point. Yeah, yeah. And Chris Hogan was a nice story, a lacrosse player who became a good receiver for the Patriots and all that. You played lacrosse, but, you don't say. No, yeah, you hadn't heard. I, people should talk about that more. They don't give them enough credit for that. They should talk about it more. But, no, like I just remember that note thinking those two receivers carried their teams to some degree to the Super Bowl, and one of them's a, like a household name, and one of them is Chris Hogan. Wow. Unbelievable. Oh, to only have bet the props on over yards for Chris Hogan and Julio Jones that day. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline from the Greg Hill Show and, of course, this morning's edition of the WEI Producers Show, our mush, the gambler extraordinaire himself, the proposition master of disaster, the one, the only prime time. Chris Scheim with your divisional round Sunday best bets and more. What up, Scheim? What's going on, Fitzy and Hot? How we doing, boys? Having ourselves a Sunday, my friend. We are having a Sunday. I got a lot of action live because I did pretty well <laughs> yesterday. I got a lot. I got a lot going on today, Shime, and I need you to call in and validate all the wagers I've made. But before I bring up any of the props, any of the bets, the idiotic teasers and parlays I have, how 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 are you? How are you looking at today? Do you see a lot of points being scored today, or are we going to struggle in these games? So the first game, I'm really unsure exactly how the scoring is going to go. I think it's going to be pretty kind of level. I think the over-under is relatively close at that 48 mark. I'm leaning under. I haven't really kind of locked that in. It's not really a focal point of my betting, but I would definitely lean under in that game. Um, However, the the later afternoon game, I expect a lot of points. I think that total is way too low at 46.5. I love the over in Dallas-San Fran. I think there is going to be a bunch of points scored, and I think there's a chance that that's the highest-scoring game of the entire weekend. Ooh, I love it. Uh, that is that is an interesting take right there, and uh, I'm here for it, as Fitzy likes to say, because I'm mm-hmm. here for entertainment today, um, and that sounds like that would be a fun football game to watch after the final game of last weekend could not have sucked anymore, and last night's game <laughs> could not have sucked anymore. So I'm looking for some entertainment uh, but looking at Buffalo, do you, as a gambler, take weather into account, and do you take cold weather and or snow into account for any of your wagering? Sure. Like, I think you have to. I think you're kind of being negligent if you don't at least pay attention to the weather. Um, but I also don't – it's not going to completely sway my opinion on a game, right? I think it might influence my total picks a little bit here or there. But ultimately, it the weather really only affects the kickers, in my opinion, outside of – a ridiculous, uh, you know, windstorm like that Buffalo-New right. England game last year, it's not going to affect the actual play of the game all that much, in my opinion. I think it's more so just the kickers who every little thing matters to them because they're, you know, mentally unstable for the most part. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, Should work I with tend us. to, yeah, cold weather is a, is a factor, but it isn't like a major considerance when you're looking at, you know, generally the entire scope of the game. Right. Considerance. Did you borrow that word from uh, Courtney Cox? Yeah, oh, yes, yes, I did. Wow. That one. Which it, it's just for fun, for goodness wow. sake. If we can't, okay, sorry. Should I have said Wiggy? Now am I being a bully? I apologize. You are, and sexist. Nah, it's okay. I'm a wordsmith. I just make up my own words when I decide I don't Me have too. one readily available. Hingent is the best one I've ever made up. Hingent. It's the combines hinges, hinges and contingent. What hinges. is hingent? I like that. I'll use that. It, I'm telling you. Like the 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 game in Buffalo could be hingent upon Josh Allen's turnovers. Bingo! I think that's an excellent use of that. Good job, Andy. 
Now, now, okay. now we're all going to start using that, and it's not. Oh, damn, that, that's how these. It's things a good end up word. In the Urban Dictionary. Great. Now we're all going to. No, and then I won't. No, no, no. I have much higher goals than the Urban Dictionary. My goal is yeah, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Yeah, I want to be added to the dictionary in like five years. Hingent. You want My full career OED. is hingent upon working with okay. you. Okay. You want full OED. I got it. Okay. It's like resiliency. No, resilience will do just fine. Resiliency really isn't a word, but people have said it so often. Now we do. All right. I'm, I could go down the strong and white elf. road all day long. We're here talking bets, for God's sakes. Shime is calling in on the Harbor One hotline. Show some respect to the man. He's giving us his time before he places his wagers. Uh about these, about uh, the first game as well, I, I said I thought there might be some more points scored in the first game, and you think the over is a great play in the later game. Who do you like in terms of any player values or any like first team to score? If anyone's out there doing some DFS or some propositionals for the first game, Shime, who you got? Yeah, I think Joe Burrow is a legitimate play here. Um, he's just, this guy is built different, in my opinion. I think you kind of start, start to formulate in that first appearance. Uh, against the Bills that mm-hmm. ended up, you know, not getting played to its completion. Uh, but they, they drove down the field pretty effectively uh, to get that first touchdown. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that out of Joe Burrow today. Uh, in the playoffs, this guy is ice cold. Um, you saw Josh Allen struggle against the Miami defense that, in my opinion, isn't all that good last week. I think Buffalo is dealing with some stuff. I, I, I don't know if it's just, like, internal emotional stuff. But the turnovers from Josh Allen, coupled with the fact that I think their defense is highly overrated, uh, I think there's an opportunity if, if for the Bengals to outright just boat race this team. Like, if, if something goes awry, I think there's a chance that the Bengals just kind of control this game. They get up early on the back of Joe Burrow, and Joe Mixon just kind of ices the game late. Uh, and so if I'm looking at, you know, DFS or scoring props early, uh, in this in this first game, I'm looking at the Bengals. I'm looking at Jamar Chase. I'm looking at T. Higgins. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at Joe Mixon and and the Joe Burrow passing touchdowns. That's kind of where my focus would be uh, would be at. And Andy, real so, quick, if I could just follow up on that, uh, there are some props here, like the rushing yards for Mixon. It's only forty eight and a half to go over. Uh, Sam J. P. Ryan, his receiving yards is only thirteen and a half. He may get that in the first half. And Burrow is pretty. This is. 282 passing yards and two touchdowns like those are you could those are tasty shine I, I really like those yeah i think the burrow passing prop is just the passing touchdowns prop is the most appealing i think it's over at one and a half at yep. minus 130 i don't think that's a lot of juice that you're gonna have to lay there uh and it's very realistic that he is gonna throw for two touchdowns in the first half like you could have money uh, you could be up at halftime just thanks to that one bet so, Shime, I'm a big fan, for anybody who's listened to the various uh, EEI shows where I have to do bets with Rich Keefe, I'm a big fan of uh, prop bets, random prop bets, big money prop bets on, like, first touchdown, something like that, first score. What is your favorite um, off-the-beaten-path prop of the day? Ooh, off-the-beaten-path. So I'm just going to – I don't have one that's, like, crazy – um, but I do have one that's pretty good value. I love a Dalton Schultz anytime touchdown today at plus two fifteen. Um, I Ooh, that's a, a good number on that. Wow, mm. it's, a, it's a great number for a guy that Dak Prescott loves to throw the football to, especially in the red zone. Um, he was, you know, injured a lot of this year, but ever since he's been healthy and Dak's been healthy, he has been a focal point for Dak. He is his safety belt. Like he is, he is just every anytime Dak needs to make a throw, he goes right to Dalton Schultz. Uh, and so I love the idea of getting a Dalton Schultz touchdown at plus two fifteen. Ooh, that is really nice. Um, all right, last one for me, Shime. 
America was fascinated. Like we could not take our eyes off the real time Knobloxian meltdown of last Monday night with Brett Maher missing not one, not two, not three. That's right, four extra points in a game to a point now where there has been a ton, not a, a large sum. We're talking enough to launch a crypto company bet on Maher missing an extra point today at plus 250. Tell me that's a sucker's bet. Oh, I, I 100% think it is. I actually, uh, I am fading all of these people. I actually had a conversation about this with my buddy this morning. Uh, he feels like the under six and a half total points for Maher is like a slam dunk. He thinks the guy totally has the yips. I am on the complete opposite side of this. I think it was one bad game, and it was a bad game. Don't get me wrong. It was an awful game. It's as bad as it gets for a kicker, but this guy historically has been extremely good for this Cowboys team, and right now his field goal made prop is over one and a half at minus 110, and his kicking points is six and a half, and it's only minus 120 to the over. I like the over on both of these. Like I, I think Baher if he's faced with field goals and extra points, is going to hit them. And in a game, I think, is going to be one of the highest-scoring games of the weekend, if not the highest-scoring game, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him to gather points, whether it be on extra points or on field goal opportunities. I think he'll hit them. I think he bounces back big this week. So it's a good opportunity to fade those people that are just so convinced he has the yips. So I like the overs on the Maher points. Tram, I hope all you know like what you're talking Bengals. about. Go ahead. Go. I'm sorry, Andy. Go ahead, please. Uh, I hope you know what you're talking about because you have me in line for about 100 points, it sounds like, over the next uh, six hours of football, and I'm more than happy to watch those points be scored. Um, but who do you have in the two games? Uh, so the line right now is Buffalo minus 5.5. Yeah, I'll take those points. Give me Joe Burrow getting 5.5, like yeah. I said. I think if either of these games is going to be a boat race and, and kind of ugly like last night's game, it could be that first game. Um, I, wow. I just. I don't know what it is. I'm getting it, it might just be a gut call. I, I'm just I'm getting weird feelings from this Bills team right now. I think mentally they're kind of just off. I, I again I think this defense is criminally, criminally overrated. I, I don't think they're that good. They don't wow. get pressure without Von Miller. Gregory Rousseau is decent at it, but like guys mm-hmm. like Ed Oliver just that's not what they're built to do. They're built to stop the run. And they and Joe Burrow, if you give him time, he is going to light you up. It doesn't matter how good your secondary is. He is going to find a way to beat you. So I just I, I think there's a really good chance. I love love Cincinnati plus five and a half. I'm all over Cincinnati money line at plus two hundred. And then the later game, I think this one's gonna be close. Like I said, I think it's gonna be high scoring. I think it's gonna be kind of a shootout. I'll take the points with the Cowboys. I'm buying the Cowboys. Um, I don't know if this is another overreaction moment for me. I, I'll be honest, I completely overreacted to what the Giants did to the Vikings. I thought they'd be better last night. They were not. They were, in fact, frauds, just like we thought they were all along. And I missed on that one. I, I'll, take, I'll take the bullet. It's not, not an issue for me. Um, but I don't, I don't think I'm overreacting to this Cowboys team. I felt like the Cowboys were in that top three all along with the Eagles and 49ers. So I'm getting more than a field goal. I'll take the Cowboys in the points. All right. You can follow him at Shime Time on the socials. You'll hear him tomorrow morning on the Greg Hill Show from 6 to 10A as well. Do you guys have Boomer Sison tomorrow morning? Uh, no, Boomer's done for the year, um, so it will ju- be just us reacting to uh, divisional football tomorrow. 
And you don't want to miss a tie effing Tuesday, of course, 8.20 a.m. Tuesday, Ty Law will likely call into the Greg Hill Show, we hope, not being chased by any animals in his backyard. Shime, great stuff as always. I'm kind of with you on these games. If Joe Burrow has the time, which unfortunately we're out of right now, I think he gets it done up in Buffalo today. Going to make a great watch. Good luck, buddy, and thanks for sharing the knowledge and the insight, my man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'll talk to you later. All right, there goes Chris Scheim on the Harbor One Hotline. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. Ethan is going to trend, then we're going to wrap up a fabulous edition of WEI Football Sunday. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEI. Trending now and this hour, because I forgot to mention it earlier, is brought to you by Eagle Bank. The first half of the NFL divisional round is in the books as the Chiefs punch their ticket to a fifth straight AFC championship game. Patrick Mahomes going down with an ankle injury, which has turned out to be a high ankle sprain per Adam Schefter. He had an MRI done earlier today, and it sounds like he's hurting, but he has every plan to play. That's what sources close to the matter are saying. The Eagles stomp the Giants 38-7 as Philadelphia made easy work of their division rivals. They will be hosting the NFC Championship game against the winner of today's Cowboys and 49ers game. You can catch both of the two remaining games of Divisional Round Weekend right here on WEEI on the free and on the free Odyssey app. Coverage for those games begins at 2.30 right after this show wraps up with kickoff for Bengals at Bills set for 3 and Cowboys at 49ers set for 6.30. The Celtics bench stepped up big time last night without Jason Tatum in the fold. 106-104 victory over the Toronto Raptors. Grant Williams finished the game with a career-high 25 points. Marcus Smart and Rob Williams both went down in the second half with injuries, but it sounds like they are expected to be okay. They play again tomorrow night in Orlando against the Magic. Tip-off for that game is set for 7 p.m. And your Boston Bruins are hosting the San Jose Sharks tonight. Puck drop for that game is set for 7 p.m. as well. I'm Ethan Rissadulu, and that's what's trending here at WEEI and WEEI.com. Just a little bit more of the guys as we take you at 2.30 to coverage of the pregame. For Bengals at Bills, we just had our pal Shime Time, Chris Shime, on the Harbor One Hotline say that he thinks this game could get out of hand and loves the Bengals, who are getting five and a half points. I love the over in that game. I think it'll be tight, but I do think the Bengals could pull off the upset, and everybody agrees. San Francisco should be able to pull out the late one, and they love the over in that as well. Once again, I would like to remind you that our football coverage today has been brought to you by Wise Snacks. It's the football season. Win or go home in Boston Sports Original. We got all the news, all the takes, all the snacks, and all the games. WEI's coverage of the playoffs is indeed sponsored by Wise Snacks. Just go to wisegameday.com for your chance to win one of 100 authentic pro football jerseys andy a little throwback moment and a little bit of news we just heard from ethan that it's a high ankle sprain for patrick mahomes he's planning on playing through it that's going to be tough we saw what happened with mac jones it wasn't easy uh i don't expect patrick mahomes to be at 100 percent next week so whatever team he ends up going up against whether it's in kansas city or the neutral site of atlanta that's going to be a big factor and also jeremy fowler this was tweeted out by Bleacher Report Gridiron via Jeremy Fowler. Saints, Commanders, and Jets are all interested in Derek Carr. Where do you think he lands? Saints, Commanders, and Jets. Mm, I'm going to say Best he fit. ends up with the Jets. I'm going to say he ends up with the Jets because I think if you get Carr with that defense, those young weapons, I think the Jets could easily be a playoff team. So I'm going to say the Jets should make a run at him. 
make a lot of sense. They got talent on that team. If they had a competent quarterback this past year or one that didn't get broken by uh, Matt Milano and the Buffalo Bills, they could very well have squeaked in as that seventh wild card. Yep. Uh, yep. I do. I agree. I think the Jets would be the best destination for Derek Carr for a year or two. You know, competent veteran quarterback with a good arm. Garrett Wilson's a stud. Yeah, no, they, that would be the little short-term reset button for them screwing up the second mm-hmm. pick of the draft with Zach Wilson and give you mm-hmm. a little bridge to whatever the long-term answer may be down the road. So uh, that, that could be a fit for them. That, that could make a lot of sense. Uh, real quick, the uh, maybe a fly in the emotional ointment of your Bengals beatdown in Buffalo. Oh. Uh, DeMar Hamlin is in the house at Highmark Stadium. I just saw the Bills' Twitter account showed the video of him arriving in a little security vehicle, so... Oh, Mark Hamlin will be there to to root on his teammates in person. Let me just say for the record that that is uh, like one and many would say as well. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yep. There he is. Oh, that's so cool. Good for him. God bless. Uh, oh, the Manning family's in the house today as well. I'm checking on at Buffalo Bills. Uh, also, oh, this is oh, and it's snowing. Oh, Andy, this yeah, is gonna be let's great. Go. Oh, everybody. Get your get your uh, order your Papaginos, get your nachos, um, get your wings, everything else, wherever you happen to want to get it from. Uh, have a great football Sunday, everyone. Also, by the way, Andy, twenty years to today. You know what the Red Sox did? What? They signed David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. <laughs> Good job by you, Andy. At Jumbo Heart, Ethan Hursadulu. Great job producing. Loved your football takes as well. Give him a sub and a follow on his YouTube page. The Greeks Gridiron. I'm your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens at FitzyGFY saying thanks very much. Andy and I will talk to you each this week on the Rich Keefe Show and we'll be back next Sunday with WEI Football Sunday at 10 a.m. Until then, good day, God bless, and enjoy the football. See you, everybody. See you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.